There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine this. You're stranded on an island forever. But don't freak out because you get to bring one dish with you. Your desert island dish. What is it? Every week, your hosts, Paul and Tegan, that's us. Hello. Hello. We'll ask this question. They'll chat with and torment a literal raft of guests on the island who'll dish up stories, gossip, and culinary secrets. But they all have one big thing in common. They bloody love food. Welcome to Dish Island. Friends, foes. <laughs> no, f*** those guys. Welcome to another episode of Dish Island. I'm Tegan Higginbotham. I'm Paul Verhoeven. We're married. Yes, we are. And it's gross. I'm kidding. It's absolutely excellent. Tegan, you know one of my favourite couples on screen that I've like ever witnessed over the years? Oh, I don't actually. Who is it? Uh, Kath and Kel from Kath and Kim. Stop it. Yeah, I absolutely love them. Whilst they are extremely daggy and I hate almost everything about their kind of style aesthetic... They're just so nice to each other all the time. They are nice to each other. They always take each other's side. I am surprised, though, mm-hmm. to hear that you don't gel with Kel Knight's style aesthetic because, Paul, Kel likes a signature jumper. He loves a bold print. He loves a fashion statement. And you lately have been really pushing the boundaries with your jumper game. Yeah, I've been enjoying a big, colourful Print. My problem with Kel is his hair. It's that weird, slicked down thing. Look, honestly, the reason Kath and Kim is such a sticking point for me is because it depicts a part of Australia which I would not live in if you put a gun to my head. No, you see, I, I think you're wrong. Okay, so, all right, you don't like Kel's hair. That's fine. Kel's really interested in fitness yep. and has taken up a hobby that he's thrown himself into 100%. He's a speed walker. You do karate. Please don't even try comparing them, Paul, because it depends on, you know, from a certain point of view, they're both on the same level of naff. From I'm a just certain saying, point of view? I'm just saying. Okay, so that's one thing. Bing! Cal is a foodie, okay? Now, yes, he eats meat, but he's always pushing the boundaries and experimenting with new flavours, like a certain somebody in the kitchen that I know. Bing! And he absolutely loves his wife. Ding, 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 ding! What if you are an undercover bogan? I resent that implication on such a bone-deep level. You know what? The more I explore this, though, Paul, I'm wondering if maybe there is a secret suburbanite in you I, after all. No. For example, no. I have introduced you <laughs> no. to football this year. Yeah. And amongst the, the many joys of the great game, because it is a cracker of a season this year, I have enjoyed watching you not only have a greater understanding of the rules and an appreciation for the players and all that sort of thing, But you have really fallen in love with a certain AFL program. Which one is it, Paul? It's called AFL 360 and it's my favourite. And the moment when I knew your love of football had gone from being just some sort of peripheral interest that I had thrust upon you to something much deeper, you and I were trying to nut out a really complex subject and you said we're going to have discussions from all angles, which is... (laughs) 
the tagline of AFL 360 footy from all angles. And you said it just completely unironically. You're like, let's look at this from all angles. And I, I it was a beautiful moment when I realised that I've turned you into the, the dag that you were always meant to be. There was a problem, Tegan, because when we went to the footy recently, you turned across and looked at me because apparently, you know in the movies where people speak tongues and later on they're like, oh, what did I say? And they're like, you were speaking Latin backwards. For me, this is what I've been doing. You'll cut across to me and I will be yelling, just yelling at the umpires, yelling at the players. I think I speak football now, but if you were asked me to do it now, I could not tell you what I say in those moments. No, it's true. On some moments, you're actually really naming, nailing the lingo. And it, um, I don't know if it turns me on. It's like, I've, it's like I've met a whole new husband. It's really weird. At other times, though, you will just out of nowhere yell, ball at the game even when that's not what you're meant to be yelling at that moment in a ball game yelling ball is always appropriate because at some point the ball is always there and there's always some schmuck that's like looking at you like that's not what this moment is but you're just happily like ball (laughs) all i'm saying paul is that i truly believe that the reason the television series Kath and Kim resonated on such a deep level with so many of us is because if you are Australian, you are by nature a filthy suburbanite. I have things that I'm not proud of, okay? There are things that I do where I go, that's a bit rough around the edges, but you know what? I do them and it's fine. Okay, well, speaking of Kath and Kim... Our guest today is here because it's the 20th anniversary of Kath and Kim. That makes me feel old. Yep, I feel ancient. He's a writer, presenter, podcaster, and he's hosting the new podcast, Look at Moy, which is a podcast (laughs) celebrating 20 years of Kath and Kim. Please welcome to Dish Island, Rowdy Walden. Rowdy, welcome to Dish Island. We are so excited to have you here. Now, we have so much to chat about today, but the first thing we always ask our newly stranded guests, because you're never leaving, is how you got to our island. Most guests get here by violent means. I'm hoping yours was far more gentle. Well, g'day. Um, Thank you for having me. Yes, I um, I caught the bus. Yes! We have a bus? Yeah, it's just a... And you know what the great thing about the bus to Dish Island is? You don't have to change. It's a direct route. So where do you sit on the bus? Are you a cool kids back of the bus guy or are you near the front? Oh, God, no. I'm as close to the driver as I can possibly be without um, taking up space for people that need those seats. Great. And people always look at me strange or um, judge me when I say that I like riding the bus, but it's my preferred method of transport. I'm a bus purist. If If I have the option of a bus or a train, I'm always going the bus. You meet, really? Yeah, you meet so many more interesting people on the bus. Um, you get to see more out the window of a bus. God, the fact that you ride public transport and meet people as opposed to like putting as many div- like devices in ears and holding as many books so that people don't talk to you, you are a better human being than I am. No, it's quite the opposite. People on the bus um, hate me because if there's a conversation, I'm in it, you know? Oh, you're that guy, right? So when I sit on the bus, I pray that no one will come anywhere near me. Are you the one who makes a beeline for the one person looking uncomfortable and tries to strike up a convo? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, you've misinterpreted that. I'm not starting the convo. But if someone wants a combo, I'm all ears. <laughs> right. That's great. Oh, okay. So you are a, you are an old person's dream on a bus. Oh, yeah. I they they eat me up on the bus. I also don't know what it says about me that as soon as you said bus, the first thing I thought was magic school bus. <laughs> but let's not go down that rabbit hole because Rowdy, you are a super fan. I'm sure of food, but we'll get to that in a minute. Are you calling me fat? <laughs> 
Oh God, I wasn't. Because it's been a long two years in lockdown, and yes, I have put on weight. <laughs> Been hospitalized for excessive super fandom. I just, <laughs> look, no, I mean you are you are the authority on Kath and Kim, which I think it's fair to say is a cultural institution in this country. And I know, I know, to our American listeners, there was that brief Selma Blair esque dalliance that was we we don't talk about. Obviously, that's the um the vestigial Kath and Kim spinoff. But how big a deal is Kath and Kim to you personally? I don't think that there's anything that has stuck around in my life for as long as Kath and Kim has. Uh, You know, not lovers, not bus routes, not friends. (laughs) It's just always been there. And I I don't know that I claim, I'm sure that there's someone else that's going to claim that they're a bigger Kath and Kim fan than I am, but it is just the, the, the consistent that's been in my life since it started. And, you know, like most uh, friendships or lovers, you might fall out of touch with them, but eventually you just end up texting them and drunk texting them and getting back with them. And that's been Kath and Kim for me. I rewatched the entire series quite recently and I was so warmed because I think that uh, for me, when you do sometimes revisit a beloved comedy series, it can be like catching up with an ex. And sometimes you meet up with that person, you're like, hey, you were really good. But most often you're like, fuck, I can see why we broke up. <laughs> but it's not that way with Kath and Kim. I went back and I was like, this is very funny. Right. And it was it was ahead of its time. And it's so, it's so loving in so many ways in its comedy style. And it just tapped into something that... I don't know. I, I remember when I heard that they were doing the American spin-off and instantly going, it's just never going to work because it was the core of Australia that made that show so brilliant. Yeah, like what the hell are Dippity Bix? I have <laughs> no idea what Dippity Bix are. What do you mean you have no idea what Dippity Bix are? Is that like a... Is that a... Where are you from? No, I'm from New South Wales, but I also just don't know if... So seriously, like what... I think what, the, the brand name is La Snack. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no, but weren't Dippity Bix the smaller ones where it was like the chocolate version of that? Yeah, it had a smaller um, dip. And you could get Vegemite or peanut butter at one stage. There was cheese. But, yeah, it's kind of like a little snack. But it's all it... in the f***ing title, Paul. You dippity the bit. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying what are they. I'm not saying – like... uh, Sorry, I'm saying, Paul, no, no, no. I'm just, Paul, you're getting off this show because you've got a show about food and you don't even know what a bloody dippity bit is. <laughs> it's un-Australian. I'm, I'm just saying, is it a specific brand name or is it a genre of food? No, I'm pretty sure Dippity Bick was a brand, but I could be wrong. Okay, because okay, I know what the snacks were. Because when I was in the 90s, the snacks, the second they appeared on the scene, all the cool kids, all the rich kids had the snacks and roll-ups. That was the thing to have in your lunchbox. You see, yeah. my mum couldn't afford roll-ups and I hated the snacks. So what does that say about me? Oh, you were, the, you were having fruit, were you? Yeah, I know. Boring. I was that schmuck who had like some sort of grotty mandarin in their lunchbox. <laughs> oh. Speaking of mandarin, actually, it was only on this recent re-watching of Kath and Kim mm. that I discovered what I think was one of my favourite jokes that I missed on my first watching, which is, Kimmy, you can't elope. Oh, God, a classic line. Oh. Holding two rock melons. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't get any better than that, can you? That's the height of comedy. Cardinet Yashant is also one of my favourite. Like, me and my mum, my mum and I, I should say, still, whenever we have a drink, it's a glass of Cardinet Yashant, just Oh my god. Chef's kiss. I know, but back to <laughs> back to your point earlier. I think you that's the thing I think about Kath and Kim that is, you know, possibly makes it a unicorn of comedy is that you look at anything from that time period and look, we won't name names. 
Um, but they've all dated so badly and they're transphobic or racist or just downright vulgar. And Kath and Kim has its moments where it's, you know, potentially towing the line of a topic, but I don't know. It just, it, I, to me, it never punches down and it's always, um, it's still funny, which I think is a, a real credit to the writing of it. I completely agree. Cause in that territory of not naming names, there was another iconic Australian series that also I felt really captured a moment. And when I went back, I couldn't celebrate it anymore. And it was really sad. Yeah. So it is, it is. It's nice that we have this thing that we can still hold on to. And I find this offensive, but it's the 20-year anniversary of Kath and Kim. When did we celebrate that date or is it coming up? We have already celebrated. It was at the beginning of this month. Wow. And you have got your very own podcast where you look back on Kath and Kim. The first thing I wanted to ask, though, is are there whisperings that this is going to return? Well, there are. It sort of came about in the week that I don't know if you guys remember or you saw the house getting demolished. No. Oh, yeah, the house is... Yeah, the house is gone now, but there was sort of this moment at the beginning of May this year where the house was being demolished and then there was a rumour that it was coming back and it was kind of like, I think the rumour that it was coming back came first and there was all this scaffolding around the house and people were like, well, they're clearly, you know, they're they're clearly gearing up for it. There's, you know, it looks like there's action at the house and then, yeah, days later it had been demolished. So I'm, I'm, I'm holding out that it is coming back. Not for a new season, but maybe for a reboot, kind of like the Sex and the City reboot. Oh, yeah, of course, because we are obsessed with And Just Like That because, it I mean, it often hilariously fails, but it does try and contend with what the characters would realistically be up to now. Yeah, I'm kind of a fan of it. I think if you're it, – it's a, it's a reboot that I think, you know, reboots in a way that it, it, it should have. Like it would be weird to mm. sort of pick it up in the same format or the same style. And I don't know. I mean, I, there are some really shit storylines in there, but there are some shit storylines in the original, right? I agree. I mean, for me, I think it was, we need to give it a little bit more time because I think if you're a Miranda fan or a Cynthia Nixon fan in general, yeah. you're pretty hurt by the way that that series ended. And treated Steve, God damn it. Oh my God. Oh my God, Steve. Oh my God. But, but if you're, on the other hand, if you're a Charlotte fan, you discovered a whole new level of depth to that character. So I, I I actually really need to see what they do in the next season because for Miranda in particular, who I do love and had always put on a bit of a pedestal, Mm. if it's kind of like they've set it up now and they have the ability to knock this show out of the park and just absolutely wow us, or it could be really disappointing. But I think you're absolutely right. They... They didn't try to take us back. They didn't lean too heavily on nostalgia. They went, cool, what is this series now in 2022? And if they did that with Kath and Kim... To do that, you'd have to actually evolve the characters. And one of the things about Kath and Kim for me was that, by and large, the characters didn't actually evolve or change that much. If you were to helm, if you were to showrun part two of Kath and Kim, would you have them exactly where they were back in the day or would you have sat there and mapped out an entire arc of character development for these characters okay well firstly what a dream gig right <laughs> i mean it, it, no matter what you do people are going to hate it like there's always going to be you know, of so, so i think you kind of have to just go big i'd be interested to see if it would be like i don't know like maybe is it a prequel where it sort of goes back way back right to Oh wow! Or maybe do we do do we pick up that you know Epony would now be celebrating her twenty first birthday? Uh, is it is it centered around Epony? I don't know. It'd be, I I would eat it up no matter what it was, but I don't know. What what do you guys think? I feel that where a lot of comedies get stuck, especially in Australia, is 
they hit onto something that works. Like a catchphrase. Or like a, a catchphrase yeah. or a setup or a particular, you know, a particular relationship. And instead of pushing that and continuing to evolve and experiment, they do get stuck going over old moments. Yeah. I would love to see that same team of people come together and kind of wipe the table down, you know, and really look at a character like Ebony Ray and go, cool. What would we say about that character now in a world of social media, in the world that we live in, but not try to live up to those cliches, try to come up with some new cliches. That would be really exciting for me. And I think you're right. No matter which way they went, there will be people who dislike it. But the only, I I get really sad when you see a comedy show just fall back on all the same stuff. Yeah. Like they're, you know, their favorite hits. And there are great, there's a great example in Muriel's Wedding, the musical, where something has been recontextualized in a modern environment. And that's the exact same story, just with a modern, you know, twist. So I I, I feel like it could, uh, we're also in a different world of TV, aren't we? Like we, you guys are probably the same as me as we watched Kath and Kim as it sort of rolled out on TV. Yeah, yeah. I think viewing habits now also change the way that we sort of engage in content. So I'm hopeful that it's happening, but I'm also like conscious that they're definitely not doing it. <laughs> Tegan and I have talked about this before, but we're convinced that Australia's food literacy has gotten better over the years. You know, we've gotten better at, I just feel like by and large, Australians, and I mean like white Australia, has kind of started to embrace more food and get more au fait with certain things. Mm. My concern is that if you brought Kath and Kim back, one of the staples of the show is just, I mean, I've got a list here from a Reddit thread where someone's tried to compile every single piece of food that is mentioned in the show. You do not. I do. And it's not. Oh, wow. It's not very, I mean, it's tiny teddies and it's fat-free fruit. Well, just hang on. Stop right there. I'm not dissing tiny teddies. It sounds like you're dissing tiny teddies. I am dissing tiny teddies. They're terrible. (laughs) But I'm saying this is a... Very, very Australian kind of lower middle class uh, shopping list. And that's the appeal because it has got this just very, very specific cultural cachet. Right, I won't interrupt. Give me, the, give me the list. My con- No, my concern is that, that is that this list is different now and that one of the staples of the show, although you could easily have Kel working at like a pran market or somewhere fancy and doing a sort of... Because you can't tell me Kel wasn't on the forefront of a food revolution with his sausages. Oh, right. I think he was really pushing the envelope. I mean, he'd be a, you know, uh, is he on MasterChef? At this point? Oh, my God. Kel on MasterChef. How has this not happened? Oh, my God. See, and that's the thing. Like, do you remember back in the day where, like, it was on TV and True and Prue would be on the panel um, and they presented the Logies? Like, you could totally replicate this sort of, like, embedding them back into Australian society. Like, you know, a, a cameo on MasterChef from Kel or, you know, Kath on Studio 10. It could so it could really work, couldn't it? How have they not put those guys into the jungle? Oh, my God. Like, there is nothing that would make me watch that show more. In character? Than in oh, character. Absolutely. Kath and Kim in the jungle. Holy shit. I think they need to get the whole cast in character in the jungle and just do a Kath, <laughs> literally, just, just just the core cast of Kath and Kim. Sharon in the jungle. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, she's winning, isn't she? Everything. Absolutely everything. And getting terribly injured. Like, every snake has bitten her. Yeah. She's got, she's rashy. <laughs> But back to the food thing. I just, yes. I bought a bunch of food for the first episode to um to to retry, um because ashamedly I hadn't eaten them in such a long time. Because I think you're right. I think we've moved on. Well, maybe, maybe I've moved on. Maybe people <laughs> are still eating these things, but yeah. they weren't 
Nice. Like Okay, uh, so go through it all for us. What did, what did you eat? So I had um, some Baby Bell cheese, which is really the grossest cheese I think you can buy at Coles. It's, have you guys eaten it before? Is that in the little red waxy discs? Yeah. It, it's not good. It's, it's not good at all. awful. It kind of tastes like a foot. <laughs> not that I'm into feet, but that's what I imagine a foot would taste like. The Dippity Bix were probably the nicest thing, although I did have to get um, the off-brand because I couldn't find the, orig- the rigidage ones. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. This is probably going to put me in a, a class level that maybe I don't want to be associated with, but I got some little cocktail frankfurts. And I don't know about you guys, but I remember eating them cold as a kid. Like my mum would have them, you know, on a spread for a birthday party and we'd dip them in tomato sauce and eat them. But they'd been cooked first, right? Well, see, this is the thing. Oh, God. Oh, it's like sushi. It's like sashimi. I don't think that she ever – We. De- I've definitely had them hot before, but I don't think that they had been cooked. So I went to Coles to the deli and thank God they still make them, which means people are still eating them. But there was a giant label on it that said, please cook before consuming. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my and I, God. Have I been eating raw sausage my entire life? Because it looks cooked, right? When you crack it open, it's this sort of hot doggy colour that sort of looks like it's been cooked. God, it was awful. Isn't it funny, though, the certain things that just, they just happen in your house so you just think that they're normal. I remember this guy from primary school Craig Fenny was his name. <laughs> Am I going to have to bleep his name? Is this bad? Hello, Craig. <laughs> Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. I doubt you're listening, but if you are, I remember that one day he brought to school, do you remember how you used to have the smaller cans of baked beans? He just brought to school one of the smaller baby cans of baked beans, opened it, and just started eating it cold. And we were mortified, but in his household, that was just a really normal thing to do, to yeah. eat baked beans cold. And there's nothing... There is nothing to say that you can't. There is yeah. nothing that you need to cook up or heat up in that can, but it was horrifying to me. I'd like to imagine that Craig's um, parents were sort of into combat cosplay and they sort of lived their life as if they were sort of on an island or, you know, in the, in the army. Oh, like preppers. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Yeah. I don't know if that was the case. Rowdy, do you have any weird, well, maybe they weren't weird, but do you have any kind of strange food traditions at your house that no one else shared? Strange food traditions. I mean, what's normal, right? My mum did make this one dish. Yeah, she used to make, and I, I don't know if she just made this up or if it was in a sort of woman's weekly or something, but she used to make this one pasta dish and hand on heart, it is nummy, but I don't think that it is a good thing to make or eat, eat, ingest. But she used to make this pasta bake, which was, you know, the, the bolognese, red sauce with pasta, mm. cheese on top, bake it in the oven. Normal, right? Great, yeah. But then <laughs> when it would come out, she would take a, a like a 300ml bottle of thickened cream and pour it over the top and then let it sink in and sort of oh. go gelatinous, and then we would eat that. Wait, 
did she cook the did that get cooked or was it just oh yeah sorry what? so it goes in it cooks and the cheese melts on top it comes out normal pasta bake and then she would add um cold thickened cream on top <laughs> oh my god that's pretty wild was this some take on a bechamel or something uh, I'm not sure, but it was bloody yummy. Oh, so it was good. Oh, okay. Right. Do you ever go to a restaurant and get some sort of fancy pasta? And go, Can you please, could I have some cream for this? Um, no. And now that I'm saying this out loud, I realise how fucking disgusting that sounds. But That is, yeah, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound good. Yeah. Sorry. I might no, redact that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I was chatting with a friend who's just recently had a baby and she was talking about the, the effort and the level of care that she's putting into making sure that this kid every day eats protein and gets its nutrients and not too much sugar and not too much salt. And we've all just agreed that this next generation, I mean, if they can escape being completely addicted to technology and ruined by technology, they are going to be a super race because the shit we were fed as children, not having to go at our parents, they didn't know any better, but the stuff I was allowed to consume is so not okay. Right? Like pouring just cream over pasta. Mum, bless your cotton socks. Look, don't mock it until you try it. <laughs> uh, and Rowdy, I want to see if you agree with me here. The punching up that happened re-food in the show was primarily at House, which sells, you know, $900 cooking implements and whatnot. Um, yeah. Have you ever been inside a house and how close, by which I mean the store, not the structure which people live in, and how close was it to the depiction that you saw in Kath and Kim? Oh, God, it's spot on, isn't it? I mean, if yeah. you need a fish kettle or a plunger for your bodum, you're going to house. <laughs> and you know the other inter- the other thing about house is I it's always closing down, isn't it? <laughs> That's, yes, it always- is always closing how, down. How old are you, Paul? I think you might be the oldest person on this podcast at the moment. Uh-oh, uh, I turned 40 in January, so... I, I bet yeah. you when you were a kid it had a closing down sale and it's still... F- around. But the people who worked there always had a slightly kind of hoity-toity air and everything was just out of reach for, for, for a family of our kind of, you know, um, our price bracket or whatever. So Yeah, why is it so expensive? Can I actually, I'm going to, I have to butt in here because I worked at a house. Oh my God. I worked at house at the Dandenong Plaza, which is the <laughs> shopping centre that is actually nearest to Fountain Gate. It certainly was at that time. Well, you buried the lead. I know. I really should. I feel like I should have come clean about this much sooner. So I am all across Maxwell Williams' entire range. I can tell you anything you need to know about a scan pan, although I would highly recommend that you go for a Swiss diamond instead. I am I am across house. Oh, you're Prue and Trude. I'm Prue and Trude, but no, actually here's the thing. I wasn't Prude and I wasn't Trude, but I worked with a manager who was deeply offended by the depiction of house staff because <gasps> no. she was Prue and Trude and it was this weird thing in the store that because you know Prue and Trude didn't show up in every episode but if they did have a cameo in Kathleen Kim it was a thing and we weren't allowed to discuss it because it was so funny and it was basically shredding everything about who she was god that's that that's the most embarrassing thing isn't it about um boomers sometimes is that like they're so cut by things that are just like if you can't laugh at yourself you know what i mean what's what's funny is tegan and tegan i don't know if i'm allowed to say this tegan but um just say it you've taken quite a few items from (laughs) 
she, she, when when she left, she did a bit of a. Uh, she stole a bunch of shit, basically, right? And oh, I don't know if we can tell this story. It's fine, but what happened was she stole it from basically around about the exact time that the show came out. So we were rewatching it recently, and we're like, "Oh my god, I have that!" Oh my god, oh, we have that. I turned to Tegan; she'd pilfered their entire lineup. What happened? Oh god, <laughs> can people can people put you in jail after all this time? I don't know. No, it's double jeopardy. What happened is, so our house store was closing down. Okay, okay, as so, okay but as is it still do. is it still open? No, this one actually closed down because it turns out there was only one subgroup of people who could not afford to buy anything at house and it was the residents of Dandenong, okay? They were just too poor for the house demographic. And can I just say, it's not that they're too poor, it's that that shop is so bloody expensive. So expensive, right? So nobody in Dandenong could buy the scan pans and that was just that. So the shop was closing down. Our manager, the one who was basically Prue and Trude in one person, quit. So did the assistant manager. So suddenly all these casuals, these casual employees who just... <sighs> You know, these kids from Dandenong were running this store as House did this crazy, it was something like a 60% off sale. That is absolute chaos. It was chaos. We have, we were just working every day, the full shift. So from 8am until like 9pm, completely overworked. And we had expected this really incredible pay packet at the end. Long story short, the business screwed us. So in the closing days... One of the ladies at work suggested that we just kind of balance it out a little bit. So we each chose a few things from the selection. You say a few things, Raddy. When I first went, when I first went out with Tegan, <laughs> I, I, I was in her bedroom. I was in her bedroom. And uh, uh, you know those big sort of shitty prefab uh, mirror wardrobe things that cover a whole wall? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I slide it open and it is literally floor to roof. Just a grid of boxes of all different sizes, oh and she God. said it's for when she said it's for when I get a bigger place. You you'd started your own house store in your bedroom, basically. Yeah, yeah so basically. We moved into this house and populated the kitchen with all of this stuff, and I went, you know what? I'm glad. 15 years ago, you were a kleptomaniac. I wasn't a kleptomaniac. I was sticking it to the man. Yeah, that's some um, like uh, fair pay. You know, back in the day, you had to steal shit, didn't you? <laughs> exactly. I was some poor 16-year-old casual who nobody was going to stand up for. Well, you know, also, what did they expect? It was Dandenong. I mean, really, come on. Also, can you just confirm, has it stood the, stood the test of time or is it just shit that's overpriced? I'm not going to lie. We are still using our Scampan pots and pans to this very day. So it is worth it. It's really good. If you look after your pans, like don't use metal on the surface, uh, don't use the burner up at full heat, these products last, Rowdy. Uh, look, I didn't come here for the sales pitch that you used to give. <laughs> <laughs> get over look, it. <laughs> we need to get back to the crux of all of this, which is food. You are somebody who has been heavily heavily influenced by Kath and Kim. So I am so curious to know what your desert island dish will be. You are stuck here on Dish Island forever. You're never going to leave. So Rowdy, what is the one dish that you are happy to eat for the rest of eternity? I'm, I'm open to criticism for this choice, but it's a pavlova. Oh, oh. That is an ec- no, I'm sorry. That's an excellent choice, but it's the devil is in the details. Yeah. Can you talk us through this specific pav? I, I can in great detail because um, I've become the pav person in my family. I'm now the dedicated pav maker every Christmas, and so I've got a wealth of knowledge when it comes to pav. It's going to be a normal white pav, not flavoured. Good. Uh, I don't f*** with a chocolate pav, but we are going to go a bit jazzy, 
and we're, you know that um, <laughs> vanilla essence that you can get, but it's got like the chunks of vanilla seed in it. We're yeah. putting that in the cream. And so it's going to be like oh. a normal pav base, but with some fancy cream. Then on the top of the pav, we've got slithers of mango. We've got mm-hmm. raspberries. We've mm-hmm. got strawberries, blueberries. We've got canned passion fruit because I can't afford to buy the real fruit. Absolutely reasonable. I mean, you know, this is literally a magical island. We can just give you some. No, fresh- no, no. It's canned. <laughs> okay, it's okay. It's canned. It's canned. Do we have can open can openers on the island? Yeah, oh. we'll we'll bring you a can opener from house. Yep, from your, from house from your forty nine ninety five ergonomic <laughs> handle, and it's not worth a single penny. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I've got another question for you. Yes. A little while back, we had the wonderful Bodzilla on our show, April Ellen Horton, mm-hmm. and she had some pretty strong opinions about Pavlova as well. Oh, did she bring... Did... No, no, it's okay. It was a different thing because she puts a chocolate shard on her Pavlova. Oh, f*** off. <laughs> <laughs> There's no place on a Pav. Chocolate has no place on a Pav. I'm with you. I completely agree. By the way, I think I think chocolate doesn't belong on a pavlova. But I'm there is nothing wrong with having dueling pavs because then come Christmas Day, everyone on the islands has to pick. Has, yeah, has to pick one. <laughs> um, do you guys? Am I here forever, or is there a bus back into town? Uh, no, you're here forever. Yeah, sorry oh, about fuck. that. Bus okay. is one way. Really sad. Um, but you know, right. there's some really delightful people on the island with you, so you'll make friends. I hope so. <laughs> Tegan, before we got Rowdy on the island, you said something interesting. You said that you were also rough around the edges and then you just changed the subject. I think, Paul, that I pretty clearly stated in the episode a few of the, um, I guess the less polished qualities about myself, like the fact that I'm a shoplifter. (laughs) Who isn't? Who isn't? That's my point. No, look, there are things that I picked up in Dandenong that I'll never shake. Or give back. We'll give back. <laughs> I like tucking my T-shirt into my pants. Don't know why. Ugh. I like pants with stirrups. I'm quite fond of a scrunchie from time to time. If I go to my very expensive fancy hairdresser and there is an option for me to read Vogue, The New Yorker, Marie Claire. No, you know what I pick up first? New idea. Yes. Women's Day. Yes. Give me the trash. Okay, because I'm, I'm, I'm a trash bag. I'm a trash bag deep down. The first three things you said there just make you a hipster. Tucking your pants in, wearing ironic clothing, scrunchies. That's cool. No, Paul. Look, all I'm saying, Paul, is that all of us deep down, we all have an inner bogan. And I just think that it's about time that you accepted and embraced your inner bogan. Never going to happen. I'm going I, to, before I do that, I will run in the opposite direction. I will roll up pages of a Shakespeare book and smoke them to infuse myself with as much high culture as possible. Now, nah, give it a go, Paul. Now, give it a go just before we wrap up the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Dish Island. I've been Tegan Higginbotham. Call me Tego. Oh, I'm Paul Verhoeven. Uh, you can go <laughs> fuck yourselves. Is that Australian enough for you? In the meantime, don't forget to hit us up on socials. I'm uh, at uh, P-Dog, Pazza69. I love tinnies and I have issues with my dad. And don't forget, folks, eat, eat your, your f***ing veggies. veggies. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Dish Island. Dish Island is a proud member of the ACAST Creator Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.